Hello, welcome to Pharmacy Practice Podcast, I think. What are we going to call this, Yusuf? Probably a virtual podcast or we're open to suggestions, I think. It's all it's all very modern. Um, anyway, good morning and welcome. We've got a really good friend and colleague on the line, Yusuf Ahmed. Um, you probably need little introduction in pharmacy circles because he's, uh, to use a northeast Scotland term, he's a well-kent figure, well-known guy. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? God, I never thought I'd get to that point where I'll need little introduction. Um, but uh, hello, everybody. My name's Yusuf, and I'm delighted to join Jonathan's virtual podcast to discuss many aspects of farms, in particularly due to coronavirus. My background is probably quite mixed. Portfolio career, absolutely. Uh, predominantly worked in Scotland, as you can tell by the accent, in, in, in large hospitals, the Queen Elizabeth and, the, and in Nine Wells in particular. I've had some time abroad working in the Middle East and more recently uh, are the chief pharmacist uh, of an organisation, an NHS provider organisation called KUK, which provides services uh, ranging from hospitals through to prisons, through to 111 centres across NHS England. Um, I also have another uh, a number of additional roles, including more recently uh, being appointed to the General Pharmaceutical Council, which is wonderful, uh, in addition to roles within the UKCPA as a specialist member of the pain group, but also still holding some work with the Royal Pharmaceutical Society on their hospital expert advisory group. Very good. Great to have you. Um, I know we chat you, you chat quite a lot uh, offline and stuff. You missed out your most important role, though, uh, Yusuf, uh, editorial board member for pharmacy and practice. I, What's going on? I could have missed that. <laughs> I could have missed that. I, That's it. That is. I mean, that is my speaking of of my experience. Absolutely, Jonathan. My apologies. Honestly, you're going to get grilled now. That's 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 <laughs> it. You're on the back foot from the start. Um, anyway, no, yeah, un, unprecedented times. I mean, oh gosh, you said word again. Uh, it's unprecedented how many times I've used unprecedented in the last sort of uh, yeah. month or so. And, and it really, I mean, it is. All the superlatives are of the day have been used multiple times. Um, how's life for you at the moment? What, what's what's happened in your world in the last sort of four um, weeks? Yeah, it's been changing as many people uh, within pharmacy have had mass changes. And I think especially in those people with in, in leadership or corporate roles, they've seen a, um, a, probably a, a, a redesign of their role. So my traditional role being very pharmacy focused has moved into supply chain and procurement. So I'm responsible for PPE provision for, for my entire organization. So thousands and thousands of workforce uh, colleagues trying to get the appropriate PPE to them in addition to helping uh, support the, the guidance that's coming out from the relevant government bodies and, and, uh, and producing appropriate uh, uh, frontline SOPs and policies uh, to reflect the most appropriate guidance. And, and on top of that, still doing a day job of pharmacy. So I'm still responsible for the pharmacy division, throughout, um, especially in my hospital division. Uh, and uh, it's, it's almost juggling multiple balls in the air. And I also acknowledge that Concurrent with every single pharmacy professional in the in the, in, in the in the in the UK at the moment, everybody's juggling multiple hats 
the our colleagues in community pharmacy who have an absolute tremendous workload at the moment, albeit our colleagues in primary care who have overnight changed the way they do things, which is takes, as many people know, no easy task, takes a massive feat uh, to do so. So uh, I think the state of luck, but equally it's the state of um, opportunity. I've seen this entire thing as a, as a chance to further shine as a, as a pharmacy profession. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's lo I mean, there's loads of folk that have have uh, turned up on the front line and just delivered over and over again. And um, maybe we'll come on to community pharmacy later on. I'm quite interested in the in the PPE market. So you were telling me before we chatted that that you're literally your job is for your organisation to go out into the market and buy PPE. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong here. Because I hear things, sources say, you know, that's 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 what I often lead with. Um, and the reason we need to, I need to speak to folk is to is to find out whether stuff's true or not. Um, mm. So what I hear is that a lot of the PPE stuff, and I am generalising a wee bit, has gone through government. So there's been a bit of a funneling effect, um, and maybe the argument is there's been a few snags here and there, um, and maybe that. Maybe that flow through of or funneling thing hasn't, uh, mm. you know, it's meant that the PPE hasn't flow, uh, mm. got, you know, hasn't reached the front line, as it were. Would you agree with that uh, analysis? Yeah, so I could talk for days for PPE, um, so you need to probably stop me in, in the middle of it. So with the, with the PPE, there has been a, a strong emphasis of of procuring stock via energy, via government or NHS channels. So currently, there is for organisations there are NHS supply route channels. There's um, things such as the NSDR, which is National Supply Distribution Line. There's something called LRF, which is a local resilience form, which care homes and local authorities use. There's also a, a emergency push um, process where the military is automatically driving delivering PPE to 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 NHS trusts, and there's potential of a new online platform. Uh, which is uh, written by eBay and supported logistically by Clipper and the military, which hasn't come online. So th there's multiple avenues, all um, centralised by the government or the NHS in one capacity at securing PPE for everyone. And yes, there have been challenges. You, you would be remiss to say there haven't been, um, be it uh, um, targeting the right PPE where it's needed, be it related to how we use PPE, or more importantly, the the lack of perhaps urgency, as some may put it, um, around getting PPE to the front line. Uh, and I think not utilising the international market, private providers, other commercial colleagues, uh, is probably one of the kind of um, points that have got us into this problem of not having sufficient PPE. So not using a more collaborative and open approach at providing PPE. As we've seen, there's, there's people from seven-year-old kids through to large companies turning their hand at PPE. I think we haven't galvanised that opportunity, that's one thing. And I think the other second biggest thing is that the guidance has been conflicting and changing so much over the last couple yeah. of weeks. It has led to confusion. So I think there's a question around the burn rate of PPE in the sense that it's not being used in the right judicious manner that it should be. So 
the supply question is there and absolutely not being open and collaborative, but equally at the same time, I think the the mass, the number of iterations of, of PPE guidance has led to an, either an overuse or an underuse of PPE, but obviously not the right use. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, it's interesting. It's interesting to hear from you. Um, I mean, part of the background to that to that question was with what I'd been hearing from readers and so on in the market, but also from what I've been reading, I mean, one of the more successful um, countries seems to be Germany, and, and their their health system is, appears to be much more devolved. Um, I think, I'm not sure if you call, call the, the, the areas their states, but they have uh, the equivalent of a governor in each state. And from what I understand, the, the private providers um, uh, work more collaboratively, shall we say, with, with government and particularly local government. And, and in this crisis, that's led to um, a better response. I mean, maybe that, that's probably an oversimplification, but mm. I suppose it leads me on to maybe a bit of a controversial question. And one that's sort of sitting at the back of my mind, and, I, and I'm going to frame it carefully because um, probably need to preface it by saying that you know the NHS has been absolutely incredible. Um, you know, frontline workers have been phenomenal. I mean, that's that's all been said. I just need to acknowledge that. But one thing I want to ask you, as a as a sort of uh, someone who's in a, a private company. Um, I suppose, do you think private companies have been leveraged enough um, and brought into the fold? But also, you've kind of answered that, I suppose, but also mo more importantly, is our reliance on the NHS at times to our detriment? Yeah, so Jonathan, it's, it's, a, it's a question that has multiple parts to it. And I would start by echoing a lot of the things that you started with, that the, the NHS frontline staff, pharmacy staff have done an absolute monumental task here, have achieved so much, but equally have been a testament to the profession. And I couldn't be more proud to be a pharmacist than ever before. Absolutely couldn't be more proud. But equally, we have to be reflective at the same time as being responsive. And we have to understand that there, there could be avenues that, that both the NHS and government could have done better, potentially. Um, focusing solely on, on the question around uh, around uh, private organisations, the NHS has, has gone out of the way to strike up a, a deal, certainly the heads of terms, with, with private organisations, including them in the capacity planning. So around 8,000 beds have been made available through the commitment with all private organisations um, across the UK. And particularly in England, which is which has been unheard of. But equally, there is also now starting to be conversations around the utilisation of, of this network, where we've seen how the NHS and with the inauguration of the 719 deal hospitals have have made sure that the ICU capacity of the NHS has been met. In fact, there is still like appropriate ICU capacity, but the everyday surgeries the non-urgent stuff, the urgent cancer stuff, the elective procedures which the private organisations are geared up to do, that perhaps hasn't been utilised as, as much as it could have been. And I think when the relevant uh, public inquiries and, and investigations and inquests happen post-COVID, we'll probably find that as a, a common theme coming out of it. It's, it's it is difficult though, and, and I, I 
I acknowledge in like asking that question that it's I'm very the the question is very general. You know, it's just a general point. Um, but I I guess my my instinct is always sort of balance and 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 you know not not going too far one way with one system is is usually helpful. Um, and I think it sort of segues me on to community pharmacy. Really, I mean, I I've sort of spoken publicly recently about um, how community pharmacy has been treated really particularly in England um, I mean we did a we did a we did a contributed article the other day from a, a pharmacy member of staff who had she actually had leukemia she's recovering uh, from leukemia and she's she's still working and you hear these kind of stories coming through and you think what are you do you know so, uh, tremendous courage really um, and she was just telling me the story well she was telling our readers the story about how um, pre-covid they were really short-staffed and really on their knees. So this is all this extra workload has has um, has been very difficult. And I know I, I've sort of focused a little bit of scrutiny uh, on the the volunteer-led delivery service. And again, I don't want that to to appear negative. But to be honest, the the deal that 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 sort of contract could have been a bit better. I don't know if it. I don't think it's unfair to say that it. The money attached probably didn't sort of meet yeah. the the workload and the let's say the hassle factor. Um, mm -hmm. And I say that carefully because we need to get medicines to the right people at the right time and deliver good pharmaceutical care. But I don't know. Do you have a, do you have a view on on community yeah. pharmacy and how how things have gone, Yusuf? Indeed, yeah, indeed. So I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in community pharmacy, having worked as a as a locum in, in, in various guises over the number of years. You know, I'm I'm close to community pharmacy, but not as uh, as some of my colleagues are uh, looking at it from from a uh, from a wider perspective. And if we take a take that uh, delivery as, as a starter for ten, um, there's lots of things within that uh, delivery process which I don't think were thought out. You know, in the point in the the, the legal podcast that you done with uh, Andrea, I don't know, her name James, I think was fantastic. James, yeah, yeah, yeah. With Andrea, Andrea James, which was fantastic. The issues of vicarious liability, the issues of payment, the issues of what happens if you refuse a particular volunteer. There's so many things within that that I think <coughs> excuse me, that weren't thought through, or that was decided by people within non-pharmacy space. Uh, that didn't know community pharmacy as well. So I think and I understand all the traffic around uh, people's uh, apprehensions here. And, and like we saw, um, the sensible side of me also thinks that we need to also be pragmatic at this time and we need to be a little bit uh, sensible in, in, in making decisions independently. And we've always done that. And I think we sometimes, and this is a no, no negative point, but sometimes we can be our own worst enemy at overcomplicating things as well. So I think there's there's a bit of recognising that it could have been better, but at the same time, um, and not dismissing any of the the, the the masses of work that community pharmacy colleagues do, but at the same time, um, taking our own initiative and leading from the front. Um, that's just my point around the delivery part. Um, I think widely looking at community pharmacy in Scotland versus England, mm -hmm. there's no question in my mind that community pharmacy in Scotland isn't is not only better funded, but perhaps in a better position going forward for its future than in England. 
uh, which there's many complexities and many nuances to that I appreciate. Um, and equally, I understand that even the new community pharmacy funding model and structure that was uh, propositioned at the, uh, earlier this year or, or last year uh, includes a lot of money in terms of billions of pounds, but in terms of new funding, uh, it's, it's not uh, met the mark. Um, and you know, it's it's testament to the number of pharmacies that are closing. It's such a sad, sad thing to say that uh, that the frontline healthcare professional in this pandemic is a community pharmacy, but yet they're perhaps the most under-recognised or under-resourced profession uh, mm -hmm. in the country. Totally agree, and I agree on Scotland as well. Um, I think I think the difference between Scotland and England is quite stark, actually, as you highlighted. Um, I think. Harry McQuillan et al. at Community Pharmacy Scotland have done a, to be honest, have done a phenomenal job. Um, I mean, they, they went into the crisis very engaged with their network, and I think Harry particularly deserves. I know, I know they're, they've a, they've a team there, Matt and Adam and Amanda, tremendous people in there. Um, but Harry in particular. Um, has managed to cultivate, and I could say this because I'm a commentator. He's managed to cultivate um, engagement with the network, and he's kind of he's brought them brought them with him. Mm -hmm. um, and even at even at the most the toughest time, um, I do believe the vast majority of contractors in Scotland are are with Harry and and the team at CPS, and and I I think that will pay off. You know, um, I think that will pay off. I quite like what he said about. Um, Obviously, I would like what he said about the use of independent prescribers, but particularly around um, something I hadn't thought of was was the use of independent prescribing in community pharmacy in times of crisis. So, to manage mm -hmm. the the repeat medication yeah. side of things, you know, we need to maybe look at how we refine that and get get that down because then, you know, you can you can uh, manage bottlenecks, make sure make sure given that we're the last person the, the the patient sees before they get their medicine it's right and proper that we should be you know deciding when and how they get it and 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 again in times of crisis to make sure medicines are very basically shared out properly and there's there's no supply issues but um yeah no that's really that's really good good um we use the you use the term pragmatic um and uh, i've mentioned that a few times over the recent months Probably since speaking to um, Professor Zub in Austin, to be honest, you know we've we've as pharmacists we've got a a lack of a tolerance for ambiguity. Really, we like things to be just so. So, in a way, with that in mind, based on his sort of research and evidence, a pandemic is going to be really stressful for pharmacists <laughs> because there's a lot of you know there's a lot of pragmatism. There's a lot of grey areas suddenly cropped up, and and we've. Uh, a lot of people have had to make decisions and just do the right thing for patients. So, of the of the sort of uh, legislative changes um, or governance changes from from the GPHC, which I think have been very timely and pragmatic, um, which was your favourite, I suppose, or which was which do you think w w was the best? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I would I would probably say there's probably a number of different points that, that have come to mind here. And I think firstly, what many uh, commentators or non-pharmacy commentators say about the profession, um, 
is that our weak, our strongest point as a profession is also potentially our weakest point. That we are very good at sticking to the the letter of the, the land in terms of what's right and wrong. And then what always comes to my mind is one of my mentors saying to me, "Live in the grey." In uh, that, I always reflected on that because we always pharmacists always deal with black and white, but grey is a total no no. And over the years, I've become used to living in the grey. And I think the pandemic is that aspect, it's that great piece of unknown, which is going to make it even more tough for pharmacy professionals going forward because we are inherently wanting to do what's right and on the right side, i.e. Uh, on, on, on the side of, of uh, appropriateness. And going forward, I think uh, the general pharmaceutical clinics in particular have gone, have made a mandate to go from this governance role, regulation role, through to becoming a supportive organization they've made a, a distinct move into that and that testament on the back of a number of documents that they've either authored or, or co-authored or supported with a number of other bodies such as the Royal Pharmaceutical uh, Society. My favorite one so far has been the ethical decision making that they've um, put their weight behind that the Royal Pharmaceutical Body has, has decided and I think it's well worth a read for anybody perhaps in that uh, situation as many of us are making decisions that are not only ethical and moral, but help you to walk through a framework of a decision making uh, to get to the right uh, point is key. So I would probably echo that's probably been one of my uh, most interesting reads. Um, on, in addition to that, there's been a number of um, um, documents related to uh, not putting up with abuse, uh, related to not being um, held accountable for, say, the delivery and uh, uh, um, points that come up. So there's been a number of additional documents which have helped, uh, which I think have been useful. But I think uh, we're probably still at uh, probably the end of the beginning rather than the beginning of the end. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been, uh, I mean, it's been fascinating um, what's been happening. As you know, <laughs> pharmacy and practice, you get, you get the odd good story in pharmacy, but it's, it's you know, but pretty much within a week, um, every unprecedented story that I could think of sort of happened, really. Um, it was really, a few weeks ago, it was quite incredible, but I, I must admit, um, this, this, and maybe they've set a dangerous precedent for themselves, yeah. these organizations, yeah. but the speed yeah. at which stuff can, stuff can actually get done yeah. is remarkable and you've got to ask i'll not put you on the spot you but you've got to sort of ask that rhetorical question well what was stopping you before on certain topics not not them all i think the rps document about the ethical decision making very happy to say that was top drawer i mean that yeah. if you look at if you look at the forward you know of, of the contributors it's like a who's who of of, of pharmacy in the uk um so very that good and very quickly Absolutely, John. That came, that came in very quickly, and I think also a number all the other organisations, NPA, PDA, you know, they're all doing their bit for their for their uh, uh, users and organisations, and, and and I think that I'm I just want to see more of that collaboration going forward post COVID. Yeah. That's probably the only thing that I would say. I think we've we rallied together, which is great. I think we need to do that more, and I'll. Or just instantly reflecting, they're thinking, where could we be if we all worked a bit more together rather than more competing? 100% agree. Now, I'm going to ask you a tricky one on that note. Um, 
who i mean there is a saying of course uh, never waste a crisis i'm not sure who said that but i'll uh, i'll look it up and credit churchill, them. Was, it? was it not churchill was it, churchill? Was it never yeah. waste a crisis right so, so who do you who do you think of the of the pharmacy organizations who hasn't wasted the crisis who hasn't um i don't think anyone has hasn't wasted the crisis i think everybody has uh, in one way or another one guys or another have um come up and stepped up which is great so don't think anybody's wasted the crisis i think i'll be useful to see how they come out of the crisis that's probably yes. a bigger question to come back to you on that point um and i particularly enjoying the virtual updates organizations are doing and more importantly how they reconfigured their website mm-hmm. it's unbelievable yeah. and i think they made it more user-friendly almost overnight that mm-hmm. website and virtual updates and ceos of these relevant organizations stepping up to the plate and also the the, the, the group of people behind the ceos are producing the documents have really stepped up uh, but i would be more inclined to understand what happens post-covid and what collaborative work but also how we would uh, galvanize the pharmacy profession going forward mm-hmm. i think i think the well i do i do know who said who said this next quote mother uh, necessity is the mother of invention although although the context to that quote was was actually agriculture and uh, economics it was uh, the danish economist Bozerup who said that um and she she was an optimist um but she did sort of describe how um, farmers would always find a way to um, intensify or, or, or basically make more food. And I think that's happened, not obviously agriculture, but the parallel is true that this event has happened. And a lot of our, what I find interesting is a lot of our cultural assumptions, uh, cultural habits have really been questioned and we've been physically forced to well, stay inside, but of course, staying inside has a number of consequences, doesn't it? And uh, yeah, you're right. The 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 explosion to digital um, has been incredible. Where we were maybe sort of playing around the the edges beforehand, it, it's really gone. Yeah. And as you say, the you've answered a very difficult question with by putting a question back to me, which is very clever. Um, the question is, which we can't answer yet, is. Yeah. To what degree will that will 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 normal come back? Um, and and I think it's pretty fair to say that uh, pre-COVID times, mm. especially in terms of how we relate as a culture and how we communicate, mm. uh, is probably gone. Um, how's your? I know you're very busy and you're still practicing in Care UK and stuff like that, and you've got this PPE uh, procurement role, and I mean that's. One of the most important roles within your organization but how has your um, leadership changed over the last sort of uh yeah. month or so and how have you coped with that actually yeah yeah just before we go on to that i think just a point to mention around uh, the cultural changes i think i've been reading a lot around how behavioral scientists have been critiquing covid and i think there is we'll be un- we'll be unkind to say that there won't be any changes post-covid because there will be both in terms of how we function as a society, how we operate uh, on a day-to-day basis in our lives, but in, in, in more important, how we uh, optimise the technology advances that we've had made or have had to make. 
And if you look at it from a healthcare perspective, overnight the GP framework has gone online, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, overnight, where they've been trying for years to get that happened, it's unbelievable. And uh, equally, how we've moved consultations to online and how we've, we're, we're using uh, tools to help us keep patients uh, in, the, in the place they want to be at home. So I think it'll be absolutely different. And equally, and we need to say this pharmacy in general, both in community and other sectors, will have to change post COVID. And I think it's up to us to us in the most collective sense to uh, shape that change going forward. I think there might be a potential vacuum uh, of, of direction post-COVID. I think it's important that we all step up to the plate and actually shape what the next 10 years of pharmacy might look like, and particularly for for the most prominent people within our profession, our community pharmacy colleagues. You know? So we need to see this as a, an, also as an opportunity to shape the next 10 years of pharmacy. And the funding and the type of work all comes into that. Going back to the leadership bit, you know, one of the biggest things I've also realised over the last couple of months is that it's, I'm not going to please everybody. I'm not. I'm not going to get it right all the time. And that's something that's been a hard pill to swallow, because I've always been a person that keeps kindness and caring for each other at the at the cornerstone of my being. I've always believed that if we're able to do right for the next person beside you, uh, you know, the, the world and, and everything else is right. But I've, the last couple of months I've realised is that there's times where you'll get it wrong and it's actually okay, that's part of learning. Um, so I think that's probably been one of the most recent changes in the, in the, in the second probably biggest so, change that I've... Yeah. So has that, has, has that happened um, because you've had to dip into let's say, command and control a bit more than you're you're comfortable with? Because you're quite a collaborative person, aren't yeah. you? You know, you, you really you encourage people and you bring people on and nurture talent and stuff. But obviously in a pandemic, maybe, you know, you've just got to get stuff done. You've got to go and buy your PPE yeah. that, you you know, you've got to get yeah. get your job done, do you? Is that, is yeah, that fair? Yeah, very much so. I think we're at that uh, decision um, uh, apathy mode that you're constantly... At making decisions based on the needs now, and therefore you, you need to be more directive, more command and control. But equally, at the same time, there's a number of other things reliant on your decision making. So that's obviously been one of the things. I get. Again, it's a learning point. It's okay to be that when the time needs to be, such as a pandemic. But at the same time, I think the other kind of biggest aspect that I've learned is that your relationship and how you foster those relationships in any capacity is what stands. And probably every experience of leadership helps me to understand that a bit more. And I find that uh, throughout this pandemic, creating relationships quickly and effectively through appropriate communication, but also engaging the trust uh, to fear a bit quicker has also been one of the ways that we've been able to get through some of the difficult aspects. So it's I'm not going to say it's my leadership journey just in this pandemic is over. It's it's again just continuing. But those are kind of two brief reflections that uh, I think is useful to just take a pause and and take in. Very good, very good. Well, listen, thank you very much for for coming on, Yusuf. My first ever video podcast call, whatever you call it. Well I'm not sure what you we call it. We need to find a new name for it. I'm sure some of the some of the people out on social media land will give us a name for this. Oh, there'll be a um, word. There'll be a word for it, definitely. There'll definitely be a word for it. Um, but listen, no, it's it's wonderful um, 
to have you on and 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 just yeah thanks very much so what what just finally what does what does the next sort of week or few weeks have in store for you have you do you know or are you or are you very much in reactive mode um i think the next the forecasting in terms of ppe supply so we're looking at our need now and going forward across prisons across a number of other health provisions so we're looking at trying to create some standardization ppe in terms of the bare minimum the second biggest thing that I'm going to do is make some more phone calls and write some more thank you cards. I think acknowledging uh, the, the tremendous work the staff are doing, not only in, in my organisation, but in other organisations is needed. And I think we, us as, as leaders or our managers or people in any degree of a leadership position, we need to kind of look back and at least thank the people that have been doing the hard work. So I'll be doing some of that. and. Probably lastly, it would be just trying to keep up to speed with all the new documents and and information coming out. I think is is an important point of of being on top of the, the most up to date guidance, so you can inform your people on the ground. And obviously, uh, list, uh, reading every bit of pharmacy in practice. Of course. Uh, of course. Every single bit, every podcast, listening to every podcast and reading everything and. Just to say, well done, Jonathan, to you for your tremendous work in pharmacy and practice. And I'm ah. extremely, extremely proud at where it started and where it's got to. And it's truly a global, it has a global footprint without a doubt. And uh, it's not, your tremendous work is, is inspiring me and many others. Well, I can assure you it's 99.9% perspiration and the rest <laughs> inspiration. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> I'm afraid I just I I'm just don't give up. That. Yeah, no, I just there's no no skill in it. I just don't give up. Um, and I think there's a need for. Uh, I actually think there's a need for scrutiny in our profession. Um, and I I recognise that maybe at the start I wasn't very good at that, but but I'm certainly learning. Um, and I'm getting the lie of the land. But anyway, enough about me. It's not about me. It's about you. So thank you very much, Yusuf. Thank uh, you, John. you take care to you and your family. And uh, listen, we'll speak Thanks, to you bye. soon.